Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. By the way, if you want to get even more content from us, we have monthly bonus episodes where you can find out about stuff like the history of MySpace and Tumblr bands and how the internet evolved and the debacle with Olivia Rodrigo quote unquote stealing the prom theme idea. There's a lot to unpack there. So if you're interested, you can join us over at patreon.com slash name three songs. So Sarah, what are we getting into today? So you guys seem to really enjoy our Justified album episode, which made me feel very proud of my passion (laughs) of men doing weird stuff. So we thought that it would only be fair to talk about the pop girls that had their pseudo Justified moment. But we do have to acknowledge before diving into this that this situation with pop girlies becoming sexier is like a much different situation than these male artists. Because as we discussed in our Justified episode, most of the time these men are doing this to be acknowledged as a palatable artist for people outside of the fangirl spectrum of music that they were connected to when they were in a boy band or a teen pop star. Whereas with women, there is this constant expectance of them to be sexy by the general public when they're just teenagers. So they're viewed through this like aggressive male gaze, as we say in a bunch of episodes, the horny yet virginal image. So there is this huge societal pressure to when they could become of age to just appear as now oh look at me as a sexual being and so a lot of the women that we're going to be talking about today while they 100% did want to get away from that good girl image that they had as teenagers because they were like hey I like to dress sexy because even some of them were of age or like closer to being of age during their fame but because their fan base was younger there still is that thing of like we can't cross that line yet and so they have to wait to the the quote unquote right point to do so. And so we're going to be going through the moments when these women jumped sort of headfirst into the sexy and where their careers went from that moment. Yes, and of course, we can't really do this without mentioning Madonna's iconic Like a Virgin song and multiple performances because I think this is kind of a turning point for the way women stepped into their sexuality. So, setting the scene, it's 1984. Two months prior to the song's actual release, Madonna performed at none other than the MTV Music Video Awards. So, already very early on in the MTV Music Video Awards history, they're very iconic 
iconic performances for doing things that are really controversial. So Madonna was a new artist at this point and she's wearing this wedding dress standing atop this giant structure that's meant to look like a wedding cake. So first of all, she has to like climb down this huge wedding cake structure, but also there was a wardrobe malfunction with one of her shoes. So she kicks off her high heels. They're like on the stage floor and she makes her way down to the floor and starts rolling around on the floor and like humping the floor and doing all these things that at the time were like very sexual. And apparently because she was on the floor, it kind of gave the cameraman the angle to like shoot up her legs, which also was very controversial. But apparently just the whole thing was like, who is this person? She's opening the award show. And apparently nothing like this had ever been seen before. So it was just a wild ride from start to finish. But then she like went on to continue doing very out of the box things with this song. There's a article in NPR written by Netta Ulabi, who's talking about kind of the significance of this song and how it's always played at bachelorette parties. But particularly <laughs> notable is that Like a Version became Madonna's first number one single, topping the charts for six weeks. But beyond that, the singer expertly revived the song every few years as a flashpoint for outrage. Take the time in 2008. She dedicated its performance to the Pope or how she made headlines in 1990 during her Blonde Ambition World Tour where she simulated masturbating while singing Like a Virgin on stage. Then we have the documentary Truth or Dare, which came out the following year, chronicling the brouhaha when Toronto police threatened to arrest Madonna unless she censored the song, and she refused to. So this song has been reused over the years for controversial moments, which brings us to 2003's MTV Music Video Awards once again, we have Madonna, Christina, and Britney. And it opens with Britney and Christina recreating this like a virgin moment where they're both wearing wedding dresses. There's this giant cake once again. They're kind of rolling around on the floor a bit too. And then Madonna comes down singing and they make their way down the catwalk and Madonna kisses both Britney and Christina. And then they also welcome Missy Elliott to stage. And honestly, the whole thing is very iconic. But what made headlines was the kiss scene, particularly between Britney and Madonna, which was controversial because then they flashed to the camera to Justin Timberlake to see his reaction. And then they flashed it back to Christina making out with Madonna. But apparently Christina didn't get that much of the buzz from it. It was mostly Britney. So I think it's worth mentioning, you know, as we talk about women stepping into their sexuality, doing things like this, it's kind of like, well, how did we get here? I just love that Madonna is the catalyst for this because while she's never been somebody that I've been a big fan of or focused a lot on, the little tidbits that we've been learning about her through doing this podcast are just so interesting because she very much seems to have had this idea in her head of what the goal is for Madonna the singer and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with any of the other parties that are involved in her career which I find quite amazing and also hilarious because my favorite extra tidbit about Like a Virgin was that the man who wrote the lyrics to this song, Billy Steinberg, had never actually planned for this song to be as sexual as Madonna made it out to be, which I think is just, again, one of those things of you can take the lyrics however you want to. And it's a really good example of which because he said that he wrote the song in earnest, having just ended a toxic relationship and embarking on a meaningful new one. And he went on to say it's quite a serious 
song, the general public tends to see it as just titillating because Madonna was titillating. When I perform the song, I perform it as a ballad. The combination of Madonna's image and the title just pulled it totally into being the song that was sung almost with a wink. And the sincerity of the lyric got a little bit obscured. And I'm just obsessed with this because I also just love the idea of like, oh man, sitting there being like, how dare she make my song sexy? Yeah, but also the song would not have been as iconic as it is if it weren't for Madonna and all of her outrageous performances. Exactly. So it's a double-edged sword for this man. I feel like all these women also just speaking about Madonna and her making her first big splash in the media at the MTV Music Video Awards. Obviously, that is what set the precedent for other female artists to do this same move. And so I think that it's iconic that Britney and Christina's really sexy VMA's performance was with Madonna because it's number one tipping a hat to the originator but also doing it with the originator which is amazing but when most people around our age think about this idea of women in pop moving into the sexier sort of images your mind's more likely going to go towards Britney and Christina rather than Madonna but obviously Madonna has to be mentioned because she is pop star royalty and it would be a disservice to not acknowledge her in this story but Britney Spears, who is obviously a big topic right now and is one of probably the most important voices in pop music, especially in female pop stars, Madonna was always somebody that she looked up to. And so throughout her career in interviews, she is always acknowledging that Madonna's the prototype. Madonna is who I aspire to be like as my career goes on, even in like her first interview with Rolling Stone when she was like 17 or 18 at the start of her career, they were like, so is your goal to do stuff like Debbie Gibson's doing? Who are you hoping to emulate? And she's like, obviously Madonna. <laughs> like, why would I want to be anybody else? And as her career goes on, that same idea comes up over and over again of like, Madonna is the goal. Madonna is who I want to be similar to. So obviously, just for like some scene setting, as most of you probably know, Britney started her career at the age of 11 in 1992 by being on the Mickey Mouse Club. That's how she met Christina Aguilera. That's how she met Justin Timberlake. That's how she met Ryan Gosling, who doesn't fit into the story at all, but I love to acknowledge that he was also in the Mickey Mouse Club. (laughs) And by the age of 16, she had signed a record deal with Jive Records, which was a subsidiary of RCA. So she enters the world as a teenage pop icon with her first single of Hit Me Baby One More Time. And in doing press for this, she has that iconic interview, like, well, more iconic photo shoot, but the interview with Rolling Stone in 1999, where the cover shoot is her laying in her bed in her pajamas on that cord phone, (laughs) being both youthful and sexy at the same time. And thus starts Britney's journey into being both horny and virginal all at once. And it's just interesting because also at this point, Britney is pretty unknown. And yet at the same time, the scene setting for these interviews is still very much the like, let's acknowledge that Britney Spears, while she is a young teenager, is still sexy. (laughs) So as we all know, because we have acknowledged before the way that these especially male 
journalists like to set the scene is explaining the woman that they're speaking to as if they are writing fan fiction in seventh grade in the year 2005. And so this man, Stephen Dolly, for Rolling Stone magazine in the year of our Lord 1999, shows up to Britney Spears's house in Louisiana. And instead of just being like, wow, I'm so excited to meet this incredibly talented teenager who got signed to a record deal so early in life, the artist article starts with Britney Spears extends a honeyed thigh across the length of the sofa, keeping one foot on the floor as she does so. Her blonde street hair is piled high, exposing two little diamond earrings on each earlobe. Her face is fully made up, down to carefully applied lip liner. The baby fat logo of Spears's pink t-shirt is descended by her ample chest and her silky white shorts with dark blue piping cling snugly to her hips. She cocks her head God. and smiles receptively. <laughs> But hold on, it's not like that. <laughs> You're falling into the same trap as the lovelorn youths who call Spears's local florist to send her long-stemmed roses, and the randy fellows outside the MTV studios with prom invites scrolled on their chests. Admittedly, that trap is carefully baited by a debut video that shows the 17-year-old cavorting around like the naughtiest of schoolgirls. But as Spears points out, nothing is actually revealed. Okay. I have so many issues with this, but it's giving me flashbacks (laughs) to Lana Del Rey and the doe-eyed way they described her in that interview. But like starting literally the first clause, like not even the first sentence, like the like sixth word in this is talking about her honeyed thighs. You could not <laughs> say, this wins the prize for how to sexualize a teenager the most. I, I just don't, this is wild. Like this is truly wild. Even though he's like, but it's not like that. It's like, but that's exactly what you did. My thing is, is that like when he's like, oh, it's not like that. But then he still goes on to insinuate that Britney Spears has laid a trap because of the way she's dressed in the Baby One More Time video. Yes. Wow. Like, I'm, I this feel man icky. is a seasoned music journalist. I don't like this. This <laughs> I is feel icky. so icky. And it's so upsetting because with you acknowledging that Lana interview that we had talked about in our episode about Lana, the fact that like over a decade later, male journalists are still doing this. It's like, why? Why is it necessary? Yeah. It just feels so wrong. I don't even have words to like, as a rebuttal for this. It just feels wrong. <laughs> It feels very much like one of those situations where you have a journalist trying to, and this is this is why I get so frustrated, and I feel like we have talked about this before. It's like, I got into journalism and wanted to be a music journalist to try and help change the fact that shit like this happens and to open up the opportunity for artists to feel less stressed and freaked out by talking to a journalist because there are so many journalists who are trying to back you into a corner and get you to like admit like yeah I am a sex pot or like yeah I'm doing this to like freak people out or whatever the case is when that's usually not the case especially with Britney at this point in time, because Britney was raised in Louisiana in a Baptist family. I feel like the farthest thing from Britney's mind at the age of 17 is viewing herself as a sexual being, but also at the same time, I don't really know. (laughs) But I mean... To give us some sort of insight into obviously what Brittany was thinking, because this obviously is an interview since he's in her house describing the way she's dressed. He keeps trying to get her to sort of acknowledge the fact that she is being sexy 
or whatever. And Brittany keeps rebutting with, yeah, but. And so he's trying, obviously, like, as we were just saying, how Brittany laid this trap for viewers because she's being sexual. But Brittany's rebuttal to this is, all I did was tie up my shirt, addressing the critics who were trying to hunt her down for being too sexual in this music video. And she continues by going, I'm wearing a sports bra under it. Sure, I'm wearing thigh highs, but kids wear those. It's the style. Have you seen MTV? All those thongs? The first quote from her in this article is her going on defense of this journalist being like, you're trying to trick us. You're being sexy. Why don't you just say it? Like, you want this, all this stuff. And she's having to defend herself. Like, I hate this so much. The literal first question, there's no respect for her here. It's just like so interrogative of this whole situation. Yeah, and I mean, he goes on throughout the interview to continuously try and make things to be way more sexual than they were ever supposed to be. And that he also acknowledges how the song is Baby One More Time, but with like the ellipses before baby. And so he writes the three dots mask a chorus hook line that goes hit me baby one more time. And he goes that some have taken as a masochistic come on. And Brittany again is pushed up against this wall and she goes, it doesn't mean physically hit me. It means just give me a sign basically. Basically, I think it's kind of funny that people would actually think that's what it meant. And so again, this teenage girl is being made to have to number one, explain herself when she's not even writing the lyrics. But also this is her debut cover feature with her debut single as a pop star. And they're automatically positioning her as this troublemaker who is both being sexual, but trying to be appealing to younger children or whatever. And so it's this weird situation where the men are like, but you're sexy, right? And it's like, right now I'm played on Radio Disney. Calm the fuck down. I mean, this totally reminds me of like when we did our Lana Del Rey episode and we talked about how something very early on happened in her career, which was her SNL performance, which set the whole stage for people and how they interacted with her throughout her career. And that's very much what this feels like with Britney of this is Britney's debut to the world, essentially like Rolling Stone is a big deal. So a lot of people who don't already know her, this is going to be their first impression of her. And you're setting up the stage for her to be this teenager that's like, she's sexy, but you can't think she's sexy because she's underage but she's doing it to you like it's all her fault like this is wild this is literally why the rest of her career she's treated like this the whole time and Brittany is like well aware that this was probably going to happen based off of the lyrics she was given for this album based off of just pop music in general because this is the one thing that I kept having while going through all these Brittany interviews is Brittany is smart and I feel like because of the image that we are all made to be aware of or made to think of her because of the way she talks and the way she sings and the way she presents herself is that, oh, Britney's ditzy. Britney's a bimbo. But Britney's smart and Britney knows what she's doing. And I think that this really proved to me because continuing on in this interview, she's talking about the guy who writes a lot of her music, Max Martin, who's a Swedish pop lyricist who has written a lot of other iconic pop songs. And so again, Britney is sort of acknowledging that like I'm not ready to be super sexy yet this is not the time because she explains to this guy from Rolling Stone how she had asked Max Martin to change the words to the song Born to Make You Happy because it was a really sexual song and at this point after she says this the writer acknowledges how she quote 
cleaves to the Baptist faith, which I feel like is again setting up that image of like, oh, she's like a Catholic girl wearing a schoolgirl uniform in her music video. Like it just feels again like he's nitpicking at who Britney is. But Britney goes on to say how she explained to Max Martin that she thought that the lyrics were too old for her. And she goes, because of the image thing, I don't want to go over the top. If I come out being Miss Primadonna, that wouldn't be smart and want to have a place to grow. So in Britney's mind, she's like, yeah, eventually in my career, I want to sing more sexual songs. I want to be viewed as a more sexual being. But right now is not the time for that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like she was 17 or like probably 16 when they were working on this stuff and she knew that already. She is smart for that. So going on from that Rolling Stone interview at the start of her career, we then move to 2001, which is when Britney comes out with her self-titled album, Britney, which has I'm a Slave for You on it, amongst other songs of a more sexual nature. And so... We already saw the Oops, I Did It Again sequence of her career, which is her maturing a little bit. And then with Britney, it's even more mature sort of image. And so she's slowly sort of moving away from her music that was catering to a younger crowd of fans and just maturing normally as you would do. Like most artists who aren't pop stars, their music matures and grows with them as their taste and their style matures and grows. But with pop stars, I feel like they're expected to stay within some sort of glass box, so to speak. But none of them ever do, so I don't know why it always stays within that thing of like, oh no, look at them. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny because you just said, oh, like she moved away from the younger demographic. And it's like, honestly, it's not that those songs were made for a younger demographic. It's just that she was the younger demographic. Yeah. Like, I think it's really funny, like your point here, and we saw this with Little Mix too, of parents got mad that Little Mix grew up. If you want, music for your kids maybe try the wiggles because that's what their demo (laughs) is like they're not growing up But also it's like there are points in every one of these artists careers where your 10 year old can listen to them and watch those specific music videos and not have a quote unquote bad role model in front of their eyes. And so it's like if your 10 year old has unfettered access to YouTube, that's your own problem. You should fix that rather than blame it on these artists. And with artists like Britney Spears back in the early 2000s, in the late 90s, it was so much easier too if you didn't want your kid to be around that, then your kid's not around that. Like I have cousins who weren't allowed to watch MTV. I was allowed to watch MTV. So it just depends on what your parents think are the priorities of like what you can and can't watch, you know? And so as I was saying, it's like Brittany is maturing. She's 19 years old and she's very much trying to make the world be aware that she is becoming a woman. So Leading up to the release of her self-titled album, Britney obviously did another slew of press tours. And if you watch that Britney Spears documentary on Hulu and you hear them talking about the way in which the media talked about women in the early 2000s, it's crazy. Like... And we've said before, oh, we've been able to find these interviews from like 1999, 2000, 2001, from like the early era of the internet. These websites should maybe take these off the internet. (laughs) Like, I understand the importance of having them up for pop culture history reasons, but like... But this is embarrassing for you. Yeah, like most of these publications are taken really seriously now. And the fact that they like... Hold on, so basically, <laughs> we're about to trash talk our favorite publication, The Guardian, is what's happening. 
Yeah, so this is another instance of sometimes I wish that I just was on a live Twitch stream at all times for people to just watch me read these articles. Because in 2001, Britney Spears agreed to do an interview with The Guardian, a well-respected outlet <laughs> with a woman called Jenny Ellescu. And this, <laughs> this is a doozy. <laughs> this is a this, Buckle this in, y'all. <laughs> this Buckle one's a doozy. In. So... Jenny is invited in to Britney Spears's new $3 million Hollywood home. And so the whole start of the feature is talking about Britney's new home. It's really not that interesting, if I'm going to be honest. But once we get into the meat of things of her stopping talking about Britney's fancy home, we have possibly the most frustrating thing a woman has ever written and published on the internet. And I think probably this was also in a newspaper at this time. So I'm just going to read this to you guys. But I do need y'all to sit down. If you're standing up, you're on a walk, go sit on the curb. Nobody should be standing up while they hear this paragraph. Ever since she first graced TV screens across the world looking like a naughty Catholic schoolgirl in her Baby One More Time video, Britney has alternated between doe-eyed ingenue and midriff-bearing sex pot. She's the quintessential girl next door, the one with a bashful who-me smile who never lets on that she knows you think she's hot. And then... The article kind of goes on a little bit more with a more weird explaining of Britney's existence. And then she brings us back to the fact that like she is in fact in the same room with Britney. And so she continues on by going, when she walks, her swaying hips reveal her potent sexiness. Her shuffling feet recall a kid wearing her mother's heels. She may not be that innocent, but she's no devil in disguise either. I don't know what that means. (laughs) And then she goes on to say she's wearing inky blue jeans that ride low enough on her hips that her aquamarine thong peeks out teasingly at the back. Her t-shirt stretches tightly across the chest whose endowment has caused such a controversy. From where I stand, they look real. Okay, can we just take a moment because they hit all of the stereotypes here. They hit the Catholic schoolgirl. They hit the sex pot. They hit the doe eyes. They hit the girl next door. Like, I don't think you could pack any more teenage and sexy metaphors into this description. And they also hit the like, oh, are her tits real? She's 19. (laughs) I didn't know this could be done. I didn't know this could be done, but here it is. This is definitely the worst thing we've ever read. Like we read the Lana stuff. We read the One Direction thing at the very beginning of this. No, this one takes a cake. I just really want to find this woman now, a decade later, and be like, no, two decades later, and be like, how do you feel, Jenny? <laughs> how do you feel? Like, let's just think, if this woman was like 25 years old in 2001, she's probably in her mid-40s right now. She probably has kids. <laughs> how does she feel? Okay, but here's the thing is this narrative has already been going on for two years. And so this journalist is very much walking into the narrative that's already set and reinforcing this idea. And so this is where I think we as journalists need to ask in what ways are we upholding narratives that are harmful? And in what way can we challenge those narratives and try to break them down? Because this is just very much reinforcing all of those things, which I think now, especially with Britney, because we've seen everything that's happened because we have the documentary that came out recently we know how much effect 
these words literally had on Britney in this narrative. But at the time, nobody really knew that or they chose to ignore it. But now we can actually look at this and say like, no, this had a harmful effect on Britney the way they're talking about her all the time. The other thing is, and this is why I stated in the beginning how different the women moving into more sexual music and a more sexual image is from the men moving into the more sexual music and sexual image. Yeah. Because, and we read excerpts from interviews with most of those men. It's like, they weren't talked about in the same way. Like they're talked about in a pretty respectful way, no matter what. Whereas with Britney, Britney has never once been respected. And as we continue and talk about some more of these women, most of these women were never respected. And so it makes a lot of sense why most of these women have had one album where it's very, very sexual. And then after that, it sort of goes back. It's like a weird graph where it's like they're slowly moving towards sexy and then it just peaks up and then it sort of flatlines and then goes back down. And so it's just this really interesting thing where there's always that peak on the graph where these women go over overtly sexual and most of the time afterwards there is a decline but that decline line is very different depending on who it is yeah yeah 100 percent. either they figure out how to be sexy in a more mature way or they step away from from it completely but it's like this pressure of everyone's expecting them to do this thing and they're like well fine i'm just gonna do it because this is what everyone wants from me even if they want to own it themselves that's totally fine we see this all the time as we've even talked about in our disney stars episode they're at the age where they want to explore their sexuality they should have the autonomy to do so but it's such a big deal because everyone's been waiting for it Everyone's been waiting for this moment where they just explode and go full sexy. And that's why it becomes a really big deal. And so with Britney, we see this as we've been getting at on her self-titled album, particularly with the song Slave For You. And so with I'm a Slave For You, the song, of course, was written by Pharrell Williams. I was actually really surprised to find out this was written by Pharrell Williams because, of course, we know that he wrote almost all of Justin Timberlake's Justified record. He also wrote Blurred Lines. He also wrote Milkshake by Kellis and Holla Back Girl by Gwen Stefani. So it's really funny to me that we see a repeating pattern of Pharrell Williams writing really good songs that are then used by pop stars to express their sexuality. But that's that's a conversation for another day. It is really funny. But he was quoted in this interview saying, in the past, her records have been very squeaky clean and crisp. And I know he's talking about production, but also if you think about it. (laughs) The image as well, yeah. Also the image as well. So I think that that's just like an interesting way of putting it. But then he goes on to say, I want her fans to rediscover her all over again. I want them to say that's Britney Spears. And so I think it's interesting because again, we have the situation of somebody working with her acknowledging like oh her fans are young we need to move away from that and so that sort of leans into the same pattern that was very much talked about in most of the interviews with the male artists doing their justified albums of them moving away from the screaming fangirls even though they just moved to like women screaming over them so it's not even different just older so Britney is just in this sort of weird space where she's maturing she wants to be viewed as more sexual 
sexual, but also at the same time, the world wants to view her as more sexual. And so it's like, can there be a happy medium of the artist wanting to be viewed as like, oh, I'm an adult, I am a sexual being, when also at the same time, Britney being a virgin is like the talk of the town. You cannot go to one water cooler in an office and not have somebody being like, oh, did you see what Britney was doing? You think she's still a virgin? Like that was the talk of the town. And so you have this whole thing where Britney's sexuality and Britney as a sexual being has been spoken about from the second she started her career by journalists, by people in the public, by whoever wants to talk about it. And so you have this woman now who wants to be viewed as a sexual creature because she's like, hey, I'm almost 20 years old. I want to move away from this sort of idea of who I was when I started because I'm no longer 16. And the world being like, hey, we're ready for you, baby. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, that's so cringy, but it's true. But continuing on in this The Guardian article, they talk again about another VMA's performance where she wore that flesh-colored costume, which I think was probably in 2000. And so because she wore this outfit, she was subjected to a lot of criticism because of whether or not it was appropriate for her as a role model for young girls. And so Jenny writes, the argument goes like this. By burying her navel, Brittany is encouraging little girls to become underage vamps. And Brittany goes, I think it's not that deep. I like wearing those clothes. I like when I'm on stage to be an entertainer. When kids are younger and have a recital once a year, that's their time to go on stage and put on their little costume and do their thing. And that's what it's like for me. I put on my cute clothes and I go on stage and I do it. The song calls for me to wear something a little voluptuous or sexy. I like to go there, which I think is completely fair. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into Christina in a minute, but she says a very similar thing of it's a costume. It's for stage. But this is the thing is it's like while performers see it as a costume for stage from the perspective of the general public, especially award shows, that's a time where you're seeing an artist that you might not normally pay attention to. So that's the lasting impression that you see of them. And for once in this article, Jenny is actually being a feminist, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, because I know. she says to Brittany, she goes, I tell her that since she's an adult, I think she should be allowed to dress however she likes. But if she were male, no one would be up in arms about her clothes. That girl should be encouraged to be comfortable with her body. Moreover, I say, what's wrong with being sexy? And Brittany agrees with her. And she goes on to say, you should be proud of your sexuality. Just because I'm young doesn't mean I can't be sexy. It is so flattering that kids look up to me. But at the end of the day, I don't like being a role model. I'm not perfect. I'm human. Just like every else everybody's got an opinion about you but the only one that matters is your own it's really funny that little mix said something almost identical to this mm-hmm. when we talked pattern about little continues Mi- as we keep saying Ugh. oh my god so like the fact that this journalist does actually have a feminist thought makes me wonder why did you set this whole thing up with this narrative of her tricking people into being attracted to her like oh that's so frustrating Yeah, but I mean, literally, and we're going to have a lot of links to a lot more Britney interviews, but if we talk about them, we will be talking about Britney for the whole episode and we want to talk about some more women, but there are just countless interviews of Britney being portrayed as like the sex pot who's causing problems and is being a temptress and all these things. And Britney continuously being like, it's not my job to be a role model. My job is to entertain people. If I want to be sexy, I'm going to be sexy. And for one more thing about Britney before we move on to Christina Aguilera, who very much 
should have been viewed the same as Britney, but because as we've said in past episodes, especially when we were talking to Fifi Dobson, no woman is allowed to exist in the exact same trajectory as another woman in the early 2000s. It's just not allowed. But so in 2008, Vanessa Gregoriadis for Rolling Stone writes an article called The Tragedy of Britney Spears, in which she speaks to some of Britney's friends and also speaks with Britney. But in this, one of Britney's friends says to Vanessa how Britney's career is very much controlled by men in a lot of ways and so even when Britney wanted to be viewed as more mature or be viewed as more sexy at that point when it's Britney's idea the men are like maybe not And so this unnamed friend says these middle-aged guys were so intense about her not being sexual that they pushed her the other way. They tell her to put on a bra or that her lip gloss was too dark and they were literally picking out her panties for her. But also it is important to note that in 2008, this is when Britney Spears' conservatorship starts. So this is when Britney starts to lose complete control of her career because obviously before, because she's a pop star, there are going to be too many hands in the pot. But now legally... She is not allowed to have a say or any control in things because of this conservatorship. So that also changes the light onto Britney's career because then you have this thing where Britney isn't really allowed to make any decisions for herself. So even if she had wanted to, and as Britney fans know, there was supposed to be a Britney album that was like her trying to, like, you know how the Spice Girls, when there was only three of them, they released this album sort of about being pregnant and being moms And Britney wanted to do that too, but she wasn't allowed to because the conservatorship was like, you're sexy. You're not allowed to be that. And so moving away from 2008 in 2013, she actually was stopped by TMZ. And she was saying to them how she was being, at this point in 2013, she's being pushed to be overtly sexual in her music videos. And so in the Work Bitch video, she was telling them how she was like uncomfortable with how much skin and how much sex was in the video and how she was just like I'm a mom now I shouldn't and don't want to being this sexual in my artistry but I don't have a say and so it's just crazy how she sort of went from being in control and being so smart like we mentioned at the start of this episode and so in the know of like at some point I'm going to want to be more sexual in my music to then sort of being pressured to stay sexual and stay on that same trajectory of sexual so it's like instead of how I said before how there's a peak and then it goes back downhill it seems very much from this one specific quote that Britney's team once they were in control of her were kind of like we want you to stay on like a slow upward hill of sexy and it's just like just let her do what she wants Yeah, I mean, yeah, Britney is definitely a whole other ballgame once we get to 2008 because she literally loses control of everything. And it is interesting. It's like, if the pop stars really were just puppets, what would people do with them? And that's kind of like what we've seen with Britney. And then on the other side, you have Christina Aguilera, who from the second she realized that she could have more say in her career, she did have more say in her career. And she has had her hands on the reins ever since. 
So in a 2002 interview with Allure, first of all, they describe Christina, how she felt caged by her sugar pop image as she records her new album, a darker, edgier artist is finally breaking loose. And Christina goes on to say, when you're new to recording and you get signed to a label, people decide what you're going to be, but you're so excited to be doing it, period. And then you realize, man, I don't know if this is what I really want. So, I mean, in 1999, she debuts this exact same time as Britney. Christina is one year older than Britney, but they both come out with their first singles, their first albums in 1999. By the time we get to 2002, which is this interview is taking place just prior to her album Stripped being released, and Stripped is most notably the era where she transforms into Xtina, and we have the song Dirty, which was very remarkable of this time period for Christina. But since this interview is happening prior to this, they say that the album that she's writing and producing herself is indeed going to push away from this bubblegum reputation. And Christina acknowledges, now I'm getting to do my own material and let people know that there's an actual artist behind the singer and she acknowledges that she's growing up and getting vocal about having control whereas like in the past she was very much told what to do with her first album it was basically the same image as Britney that blonde very cute very like schoolgirl image and now that she's kind of broken away and like been able to have more control over what she's doing it's not even like a casual foray into sexy it's a full-on we're just diving head first into it I just think that it's so interesting interesting that she was also signed to RCA while Britney was signed to a subsidiary but like they both were part of the parent company RCA and that Christina was given so much autonomy and so much allowance to be an artist for her second album whereas Britney was never once really allowed to have any artistry even though Britney in those interviews was also talking about how she's having Justin teach her guitar and teach her songwriting and all these other things because Britney wanted more of a say in her music and even though Britney does have writing credits on songs in the future like she very much so is more controlled than Christina was because also in this Allure interview Christina goes I was basically monitored by RCA representatives to make sure it was cool everybody wanted their all-american girl maybe that's why I'm rebelling and so they literally had the say of what her wardrobe looked like her hair her makeup and all that sort of stuff and it's just like I don't know. It's just so crazy the different steps that she was allowed to take. So to set the scene properly for you guys, I'm going to give you an explanation of what exactly happened with Christina out the gate of moving on to this more sexy image that she was having and that she was very excited to tell people like, like I have control of this. So the lead single for Stripped is this song called Dirty with two R's, which sees Christina Aguilera aggressively tanned, wearing assless chaps, and a bikini top with black and red streaked platinum blonde hair dancing in like a WWE wrestling ring with other women. But the assless chops, I think, are the focal point of this music video. She's obviously dancing quite sexy. I honestly don't know a single lyric to the song. I watched this music video again this morning. There's just so much to unpack here. But the song is very much sort of singing about like, let's get dirty. (laughs) 
And it's just a very sexual song. It's very much a justified moment for Christina Aguilera out the gate of going from Genie in a Bottle and What a Girl Wants to this lead single of Dirty and this music video and the iconic assless chaps that any woman who has an Instagram page and thinks that they're hot has probably dressed up as for Halloween at one point in their life. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. It is just really interesting. We're not sure why Christina was allowed this autonomy when Britney wasn't allowed it to the same degree. But also, I think, you know, because Christina and Britney started out with essentially the same image in 1999, there wasn't room for the both of them to be the same. So when Christina wanted to like lean into this image and also lean more into her like soulful R&B heavy voice, I think they let her because it differentiated her. But then it very much became this like, oh, Christina's just the ultimate alternative, dirty, sexy version of Britney. But I think also the other thing is, is that it seems like in most of these interviews also that Christina is to a degree a bit more respected than Britney is because she's sort of allowed to comment on the way in which people have said that she dresses like a hooker, that she dresses too sexy or she's doing too much. Whereas Britney isn't necessarily led into that in the interviews. Britney's very much on the defensive whereas Christina is more so like yeah I heard people were saying those things but like I'm just wearing an outfit I thought I looked hot what's it matter so in a 2002 interview with Rolling Stone and the writer Chris Heath they're talking about Christina's look and how she's evolved and they describe her on the day we talk she says she's quote dressing down and then they go on to describe her hair is partly covered by a do-rag with a pony baseball cap perched on it she's wearing pink pajama top with the word gotcha on on it, a pair of combat pants hanging open several inches at the front to reveal much of her underwear, which says skimpies on it. And then Christina goes to acknowledge, it's not like a thong, it's boy underwear because it's comfortable. And she also says, I don't wear long floral skirts down to my ankles. This is just me, I guess. So she's very much got that nonchalant, cool guy (laughs) type vibe going on. (laughs) Chris Heath goes on to write, recently her clothing choices have been much remarked upon. Columnist Liz Smith has averred that both she and Britney Spears had come to August MT TV music video awards in quote hooker getups and Christina says yeah I heard something about that who cares what we wore to a damn award show it's the VMAs I was happy with my outfit and I'd wear it again and then she goes on to say shoot I was up there doing my thing and it felt comfortable it's just a bit of clothing if I was in a back alley at midnight wearing a getup like that I could see yes that's a little bit hookerish but I'm at a damn award show I'm an entertainer I'm playing a part I don't go out to clubs like that at all that's the only time I dress like that hookerish or whatever which be Feels like <laughs> slut shaming, but also like being like a cool guy, but also I don't I just don't I don't understand. <laughs> It's just so funny, but also I just love how later on in this interview with Christina leaning even more into like, yes, I am a sexual being, hear me roar. She's literally talking to Chris Heath about her obsession with getting pierced and how she has a piercing that only her gynecologist gets to see. (laughs) I just can't. I'm like, (laughs) it's 
funny. So it seems like Christina is very much leaning into this image, but like is also the one who's making it happen. Nobody was like, oh my God, Christina is such a dirty hooker. Like Christina showed up how she wanted to show up. And then people were like, she kind of looks like a hooker. And she's like, so what if I do? Like, Which differs from Britney in the way that everyone was like, oh, Britney, are you trying to be sexy? And Britney's like, no, I'm not. And then Britney's sexy and they're like, we knew it. And Christina is very much an artist who wanted to be sexy, maybe went a bit overboard on the sexy with strips and then sort of dialed it back, but was just sexy in a more mature, nuanced way as she went forward in her career. So you have no point of regret. You have no point of like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done strips. Maybe that was a step too far. Maybe I shouldn't have worn assless chops in the dirty video. I think that there's a point in every girl's life when they feel confident in themselves to a degree where they're just like, yeah, I'm going to dress however I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. And there's no reason to look back on it in shame. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of. Dirty was an iconic pop culture moment. Stripped was a great album. But there also is that societal pressure to go very over the top on the sexual when you do decide to come out like that. So I think that if Christina's career had taken place maybe five to 10 years later, so like 2008 or 2010, I'm not sure if she would have gone as sexy as she went. But I think in the early 2000s that that was the move. Like that was the only option. I mean, she definitely had a hand in pushing the boundaries as far as what female pop stars can do. And she's even like acknowledged that in this interview with the Irish Times in 2019. Like she actually acknowledges that herself and Lady Gaga, Madonna, Britney, like they all are people who challenged this idea of what is possible for female pop stars. And Christina is very much of the mindset that she says, I've always stuck to my truth. And so in the very beginning of this interview with Shilpa Ganatra, Christina says, it was that pop star time of NSYNC, the Backstreet Boys, Britney and me. When we came out, there was an essence of innocence that you had to sort of portray blindly. And I wasn't about to play that game. I wasn't that girl. I really wanted to be honest and truthful. So I came out with Dirty and that was my fuck it moment. That was me stepping up saying, I was a woman that's proud of my sexuality. I was proud of my vulnerability. I was proud of the fact that I fought my way through this industry. So as Sarah mentioned, she's very much sticking to her guns saying that was me making a choice. Nobody was doing this to me. It was all me, my truth. This is what I wanted to be doing. And so she didn't have that remorse around it or she didn't even have to like walk back from that. But it is interesting because after the dirty music video came out, it was very much a talking point in the media. So this writer goes on to say, Dirty was released years before society began to accept that women can betray their bodies however they choose. A notion reinforced in Beautiful from the same album Stripped. But even then, the response felt uncalled for. Quote, She appeared to have arrived on the set of the video for her song Dirty, direct from an intergalactic hooker convention, Time Magazine noted. In a Saturday Night Live skit, Sarah Michelle Geller mimicked Aguilera, quote, When people see this video, they're going to stop thinking of me as some blonde-haired bubblegum music industry hoe and start thinking of me as an actual hoe. Goes on to say that this dirty video was not without its repercussions, but Christina was still like, fuck it. I was being me, so I don't even care. I just love that she did something and even now, over a decade later, is like 
yeah, I was being true to myself. I was being true to my image. And this is what I wanted out of my career. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I think just one more thing that's important to note, a difference between Britney and Christina as they've grown up, is we said that we just saw Britney saying like, I would like to be less sexual. I'm a mom. I don't want to be on stage doing all this stuff. Whereas Christina has a bit of a different mindset. And she says, Cole, I'm not one dimensional. I don't know anyone who is. I'm a contradiction of so many things, but I own all those things. I'm a performer and I'm in the public eye, but I'm also extremely private. I'm a mother, but I love being able to wear outfits on stage that express myself. It's so important for me to bring that to the stage so I can empower other people. And it's important for me to have a strong sense of myself and remember who I am amongst all the noise because everything comes and goes. So she's kind of more of the mindset of when I'm on stage, I'm a performer. I can be one thing here and I can be a mom separately. And I don't have to compromise on either one of those because she's a human being. She can have of these multiple facets of her life. So I just think it's really cool the way that she put that. I think that Christina's journey into adulthood is really beautiful and really incredible. And I wish that Britney was given the same opportunity. And I think the fact that even though Christina is also an icon in pop music and very much at the time was an A-list star, I don't think that at any point she was viewed to the same level of fame as Britney was, even though she probably should have been. And so I think Britney was scrutinized to this ridiculous ridiculous degree because also there were all these expectations for Britney that for some reason weren't there for Christina and I think again there was some sort of bias because of the times and because of like the probably perceived idea of who Christina was even though Britney was from like backwoods Louisiana like you would think that there would also be some sort of weird biased against her as well but there wasn't and so Britney was never allowed to make mistakes Britney was always expected to be this picture perfect Barbie whereas Christina was allowed to grow and change and like be whoever she wanted to be and so I think that that's where we come into the more recent versions of this happening where you have artists like Miley Cyrus you have artists like Selena Gomez Demi Lovato that era of artists who are expected to follow a certain trajectory because of their upbringing because of where they started from that when they move into the sexual even if they quickly go away from it there is so much like brouhaha about it because people are like where did that come from and it's like you know them as a character on tv You don't really know them as a person. Miley's been hinting at wanting to escape this goody two-shoes image of Hannah Montana since the jump. Demi Lovato has always been a scene kid. Like, they've never not been... showing in their quote-unquote real life who they truly are and what their interests are. And same with Selena Gomez. There was so much going on there where if you pay any attention to them, you can get glimpses of who they actually are. But the second that they release a sexy video or a sexy song, or in Miley's case, a whole ass sexy album, you have an uproar because it's quote-unquote not expected, even though this has been the trajectory of every female pop act prior to them. So why is this something that's a shock or something that could cause Miley Cyrus to have opportunities taken away from her because of that Vanity Fair shoot with Annie Leibovitz, because of that performance with Robin Thicke for Blurred Lines at the VMAs. Like, why? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it is really interesting. I mean, we just spent a whole episode talking about Disney pop stars, specifically Miley, Demi, Selena, and what they went through coming out of Disney into the world. And then, of course, we have a whole episode dedicated to Miley Cyrus and what happened with the bangers era. So I think if you want to learn more about those, you should check out those episodes. But I think today we're going to focus a little bit more on Selena and Demi and what their trajectories were into the world of being a sexual human being. So in 2015, Selena Gomez drops the album artwork for her album Revival, which is a black and white shot of her naked. You can't see like any of her body, but she is like she's sitting covering herself, but she is naked in this photo. And so this is her first step into this more adult image for her music. And following that... Selena is stepping into this more sexy idea of her music and herself as a person. And so in June of 2015, you have the music video Good For You drop, which I don't think stands out as much as hands to myself but it is her first like foray into being more sexy because the video sees her like writhing on a couch in a robe she's having her little being drenched in water in a white t-shirt moment as we all know I equate water being dropped on a person as an act of porn so (laughs) but so in an interview with ET Online in 2015, Selena sort of talks about her choice to lean into this more sexual image. And so she says, it's not something where I'm like, let me glorify what I do in the bedroom. But I think I have a very healthy perspective on my sexuality. It's part of being an adult and I'm still figuring out how to be one of those two. And so at this time, she's 23 years old. This article also acknowledges that she performed on the Today Show and she commented for some reason on the sexuality of fellow former Disney stars Demi Lovato and Miley Cyrus, pointing out that they've all come into their own. And so Selena goes, everyone has found their identity in a really interesting way. We didn't come out as these robots that looked and dressed the same. We had to go through our own shit. And at the end of the day, it's respecting every female artist's choice and how she expresses herself because that's what she wants. And I feel like that's a really good point. I'm really proud of her for saying that. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think that within those statements, the fact that she released the video for Hands to Myself at the end of 2015, which was a very sexy video. Like if you Google Selena Gomez's sexy debut... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there's hundreds of articles. So <laughs> is that what you is that what you googled this, for this episode research? Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> because I wanted to see. <laughs> no, it's funny I because a gossip website. No, 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 it's really funny because oh, I was like, what do I Google? I was like, Dua Lipa sexy? I'm like, this is weird. I, I feel so weird right now. Selena Gomez debut sexy new look. That's what I Googled. That that was my SEO. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay. And so that's the thing is it's like I fully forgot about the Good For You video because the talk of the town of Selena being sexy was her video for Hands To Myself, which if you don't recall is like her stalking a man. Like this very much was like a Crimea River moment. I'm pretty sure that this was also following a breakup with Justin Bieber, but I could be wrong because I can't remember their timeline right now. But she is like stalking a man in this fancy house. She is wearing 
wearing his clothes. She's writhing in his bed in like a bra and underwear. And then he like shows up at his house with another woman and she is like, eat the fuck out of there. And <laughs> you're describing Crimey River. Basically. <laughs> And so I just think it's funny because she talked with um, Madeline Roth for MTV News in 2016 about this video. The article is Selena Gomez breaks down her psychotic alter ego from handsome myself video. And so Selena goes, and I just think this is funny because it's like Selena being like, this is my original idea when she fully just had a justified moment. But she goes, I wanted the idea to feel like it was two different versions of being in this fantasy. I think everybody can have those moments where they're dreaming about what their life could be, especially girls with love, being obsessed with the idea and you can't control yourself because that's what you want no matter what's happening. And Selena goes on to say, it's one of those hidden gem kind of songs. It's very beautiful and special and it's got this funk to it that really created this whole sound that I feel like could knock me into the future of my music. And the song itself is good and I understand where she's coming from, but I feel like the video took so much away from the song that I don't even know what she's talking about when she's saying mm, this because all I yeah. can think about is her rubbing up and down her chest in a bra on this man's bed <laughs> yeah no that's a really good point of like a lot of times the imagery for these types of things will stick with us more than the song will so yeah but as I said earlier again we have this peak where Selena Gomez has super sexual video come out, album artwork reminiscent of the Christina Aguilera stripped album artwork. And then from there, it sort of dips back down where she matures more, she figures herself out more. And while her songs get more personal and she matures and she is still sexy in her music and in herself, but she's more confident in that so there's not that same need to go above and beyond into that like writhing on a bed in a bra and underwear sort of thing so I think that as we have seen Selena grow and mature like she's still does music she does film she's moved into like production she's done all this other stuff and I think that she just like Christina has really figured out who she is and there's no that was like a bad moment but there is sort of a, I now know how to be sexy in a way that's not putting myself in the male gaze of things. So again, yeah. we have this thing of it's like, I don't regret what I did, but now I know how to do it in a way that's more empowering to me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think people's initial reactions to wanting to do the sexual, the sexy concept, it's what we grew up with. It's the male gaze that we grew up with to a certain degree, you know? Yeah. No, 100%. And I mean, because we sort of saw Demi Lovato dip a toe into this like sexy idea with the Cool for the Summer video. But after that, there were other sort of moments of it. But I think with that one video after that, it wasn't as much of the case because as we know, as we spoke about in our Disney episode, they struggled a lot with body image. They had all of these inner battles to fight that I think stood in the way of them really finding themselves until a later date as we've seen in the public but in an 
exclusive interview with People in 2021, Demi says to them, I really believe that when I overdosed in 2018, it was because I was ignoring my truth. I went to such great lengths to suppress who I really am to fit this sexy feminine pop star and actress image that others had assigned to me when I never truly identified with. I did it though because I thought that's how it was supposed to be. And so I think that that is really interesting and I feel like that's a lot of what we talk about and acknowledge here is that there is that pressure and that feeling of like, if I am not as sexy and as feminine as I possibly can be, is there space for me in this conversation, in this genre? Is there room for me here? And it's just sad to hear it said by one of these artists because while we do have artists like Selena and Christina who are like, I don't regret it, but I figured it out in my own way more so now than I did then. Like it is interesting to hear Demi's viewpoint on that, especially now that they've come out as non-binary. So just imagine the turmoil that they're going through of not really understanding that because they were so young and that conversation was being had in the public as much as it is now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really crazy to think about. I mean, like the pressure of it to begin with, but then the pressure of not identifying with that, but also trying to figure yourself out, but everyone's telling you what to be. Like, I can't even imagine how stressful that is. And like, honestly, traumatic so I mean it's it's really cool that Demi is more comfortable with themselves now and feels like they can speak about it now and so in the same vein of television star to pop star we can't have this conversation without at least acknowledging Ariana Grande's step into the pop star realm because Ariana unlike Demi and Selena and Miley came from Nickelodeon and Nickelodeon wasn't viewed in the same goody two-shoes light as Disney so you never have search results coming up for Ariana debut sexy new look you don't have the same conversations happening around her because she was just given the opportunity to become a pop star rather than given the opportunity to be like viewed under a microscope as she was becoming a pop star. So while Ariana Grande had Dangerous Woman, which was sort of her entry into the more sexy and then her most recent album, Positions, which is a very sexy record, there is no talk of Ariana stepping into sexy, Ariana's new life as a sexy woman. Like you don't have any of that conversation. And because Jenna and I aren't like 100% versed on Ariana, we didn't even know what road to take to properly include her in this conversation. And so I just think that there obviously is something to be said of the fact that she also was a child star, but for some reason was given complete access to music and never once really questioned for her choices. Like she definitely is spoken about in a sexualized manner, but that very much seems like it was her own choice the whole time. It never seemed like there was was her being like, oh, I need to be sexy now. It was like a very slow burn into it. You made some really interesting points about Ariana and there's definitely more to explore there in the future. But what you said about Ariana being allowed this slow burn into sexy is basically what's happening with Dua Lipa also. Of 
course, we only have two records from Dua right now, but her first record came out in 2017. And at the time she was already 21, about to turn 22. So I think this also plays a factor in how Dua Lipa was perceived and talked about. Cause the first record there's like hotter than hell. So there's definitely sexual undertones to it, but music video wise, nothing was too far out there. But I think also because she was basically 21, 22, she was allowed to be sexy, right? There was never that pressure for her to be like the schoolgirl image or for her to be acceptable for a young audience. And so I think when we get future nostalgia and she's definitely leaning more into these sexual tropes, that's why it's not as much of a surprise and it feels more natural. It feels more herself. It feels like she knows what she's doing. It feels authentic to Dua. And I think that has to do with her age. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I feel like since she wasn't in the spotlight as a teenager, there's none of that waiting. There's none of that, ooh, have a countdown till her 18th birthday. There's none of that like, oh, she's a teenager, like maybe hinting at sexual topics. You have somebody who's in their 20s who is not even hinting. I mean, new rules. Like you have these songs that are very much like, yeah, I'm 20, 21 years old. I have sex. I have hookups. I do things, you know? And so I feel like there was no pressure for her to be sexy to be over the top and things and I feel like that's why as her music progresses and her interests progress because I mean there was three years between her first album and future nostalgia you have this opportunity to watch Dua grow you have this opportunity to watch her go from somebody who literally cannot dance at all to somebody who can do choreography but still can't dance <laughs> so like but you have this thing where it's like she's figuring herself out as an artist and so you watch it where it be- goes from no choreography to choreography, doing pop music, but not pop star aesthetic to pop star aesthetic, but changing the sound of pop music, doing something different, sort of being outside the box. And so it's very much more so the story of somebody coming into their own and their music, figuring out where they want to land within the pop zeitgeist, like who they want to be, and less so the story of waiting and hoping for somebody to become sexy. Yeah, most definitely. And we have a interview in The Guardian with Laura Snapes here. And this was, you know, when Future Nostalgia came out. So 2020, Laura Snapes write, Most striking is how she sings about sex. Mutually pleasurable, orgasmic transcendence mirrored in dazzling disco reveries. On Good in Bed, she nonchalantly celebrates, quote, all that good pipe in the moonlight from a toxic ex with benefits. And Dua says, everybody thinks that as a woman, you have to be so careful about how you portray yourself or how you talk about about sex and everything has to be really sweet she says about the song it's just very colloquial and how she chats with her friends so she's aware that there's this balance game of you know what people expect of her and what people expect of female pop stars but the way she's talking about it here and, and this could also be the way laura snapes is talking to her it doesn't feel like an attack whereas in the past where we see pop stars who have these sexy songs it feels like the journalist is interrogating them on why they did that yeah so i, I feel like do a and Ariana, they're in this sort of separate realm. And Ariana's interesting too, because her pop career seems to be so different from her acting career that she is viewed in the same light as Dua, where this happens when she's a bit older. And so there is more of the acceptance of the image that she's putting forth to the general public. And just like straight up respect. Yeah, 100%. Ariana too, like they're very well respected and they're not talked about the way Britney and Christina were talked about. 
And I mean, Dua is also like super woke in her views of sexuality and just sex in general. And so I think that that also adds to it is that she is very in the same way as Christina was. And Christina was like this before that was even normal of just being like, it's just who I am. If people want to call me names or people want to make jokes or comments about it, they can do that. But I'm not going to change. And so I think that that's pretty incredible. And so just to end this on the talk of the town at the moment, we have Billie Eilish who came into the spotlight at a very young age and was very self-aware of herself and her body and the way that girls' bodies are spoken about in the media, the way that the general public, especially men, have very little respect for how old a girl is. Throughout time, throughout pop culture, there have been discussions and talks about female musicians and actresses virginity and countdowns to their 18th birthday very famously Natalie Portman has spoken about the fact that there were literally men being like we can't wait for you to turn 18 because she's been famous since she was like 12 and so this is a very common occurrence and so as we all know Billy's image started with her wearing oversized clothes in order to hide her body she did an L cover story with Eve Barlow in 2019 where she is sort of talking about people's consensus on her being sexualized and her not wanting to be sexualized and all this sort of talk. And so basically, Billy responds to the fact that people theorize on why she wears oversized shorts and t-shirts as a way of desexualizing herself. And she goes, they're missing the point. The point is not, hey, let's go slut shame all these girls for not dressing like Billie Eilish. So on top of that, in 2019, Billie Eilish was in a Calvin Klein ad that was like, quote, Billie Eilish speaks her truth and so it was this video where she's in the bathroom and she's talking about herself and she goes I never want the world to know everything about me I mean that's why I wear big baggy clothes nobody can have an opinion because they haven't seen what's underneath nobody can be like oh she's slim thick she's not slim thick she's got a fat ass she doesn't have a fat ass nobody can say any of that because they don't know And she basically concludes this with saying you can't fake authenticity. This all sort of hints at Billy very much being aware of the sexualization of young women, the sexualization of her, and how whatever happens, her tits are going to be the talk of the town no matter what she says or does, even if she tries to hide them. Yeah, no, 100%. And I also think that if she wasn't wearing baggy t-shirts, if you could see more of her body... The story around her would be very much the same thing that we saw with Britney of like, oh, well, your body's curvy or like your body's this or that. So like you're being sexual when like we know that that's not what she's doing at all. So Billie Eilish is so interesting in this regard because she very much didn't want that to happen and took charge to like make sure it didn't happen. And yet this is still the conversation we're having, right? The fact that she didn't do it is part of the conversation. And now, especially that she's like 18, she can do what she wants. We're seeing a whole new side of her, which is turning the tables. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it all unfolds. Yeah. And I mean, in this Al cover story, it literally says when Eilish turns 18 on December 18th, fans might start to see a style evolution for the singer. And then Billy goes, I'm going to be a woman. I want to show my body. What if I want to make a video where I want to look desirable? And then she clarifies, not a porno, but I know it would be a huge thing. I know people will say I've lost all respect for her. And that's literally what happened with this British Vogue shoot that happened in 2021 this year. She comes out in 
corset and like a tight outfit showing off her body being comfortable in herself and there's uproar like there is excitement there is like yes power to Billy she is taking control of her narrative all the stuff but there's also the other side people being like did she feel pressured to do this why is she doing this because even though Billy said two years prior like yeah once I'm 18 cards away from my chest I'm gonna be whoever I want to be like I've, I think I look good I want to show that off but at the same time there still is that thing of like wow you just changed your whole image because it is jarring in a lot of ways to see somebody who for so long is talking about not wanting to show themselves wanting to have control over that to then give the control away by having control over when people see their body. It's a very confusing and like hard to understand situation. And because it is happening right now, we don't know where this is going to go. We don't know what's going to happen to her career. And so I think that it's very scary in seeing the different trajectories that have happened from this moment for other women, especially people, somebody like Miley Cyrus and Britney Spears. It's like, there are so many ways that this can go that I think for people like myself, there is that sort of fear of like, oh no, what's going to happen now that she's chosen to do this and did it in such a big way? Because unlike Dua, unlike Ariana, it wasn't a slow burn into it. It was straight up never seeing that this girl had shoulders to seeing every, like almost every part of her. Yeah, it is very jarring. I mean, it, this is what I was saying of like, it's kind of like the Britney Spears or like the Disney image of it, of it's like the Disney image being so controlled. And then finally the release of this is who I am coming out into the world. It's it's almost like the same thing, even though it was Billy's choice. And this is why I said like, it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds because it's like her record is coming out this year in a little bit. And so she's going to be doing more press as time goes on. We're going to see more from her. We're going to see how she's spoken about. We're going to see how fans speak about her, the general public all of this so we really don't know how this is going to unfold but for certain it's going to change the way young pop stars are perceived because of what billy is doing right now so yeah i i I don't know you know i'm like i don't even have words for it but it's going to be really cool to watch and find out and hopefully it's for the better I feel like there's so much potential for this to really change this whole conversation. And so I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I'm also kind of scared because, you know, being a woman's terrifying. <laughs> so basically in a year and... from now, we can redo this exact episode with updates. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, so I mean... To you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Like, do you also think that this women moving into the sexy is very different from the way that men do it? Or do you think that we're just giving women the benefit of the doubt because we're hate all men with our pitchforks over here? Because I I feel like there could be other viewpoints on this and we are definitely keen to hear your guys' thoughts and feelings on this conversation. And if there are other women in pop who have had these same trajectories or if there's ones that we haven't even noticed because I feel like there could be other stories where there isn't ever the venture into sexy where these where women just continue to be you know there's a lot to unpack here there's a lot going on and I feel like we could continue talking about this for hours but we won't do that to y'all and as Jenna said I feel like we will revisit this once we see what happens with Billy after this album cycle because I think that there will be a new story to tell and there will be a lot of other artists 
as we've talked about in a lot of episodes of the archetype of a pop star is no longer the same thing. And so I think that as pop moves away from the Britney image and more into the Charlie XCX, these ideas of like what pop music is becoming right now, I think that there's so much room for women to really hold their own and like not be judged as much as they have been in the past. But yeah, so if you do have thoughts and feelings, you can come chat with us on social media. We are at Name3Songs on Instagram or Twitter, and we are very much waiting with bated breath to hear your guys' thoughts. So thanks for joining us this week on Name3Songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Dua Lipa. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. 